You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, Phil Rockner and Kevin McKinnon here. This is The Life of Tri, episode uh, 39, I think we're at. Kevin, who is just back from the wilds of Spain. Does Spain have wilds? Let's ask him. Kevin McKinnon. How you doing? I am good. Yeah, I just uh, um, had a great trip to uh, Spain, to Malaga, Spain, which I've never been to before. ASICS was launching their new Metaspeed uh, shoes, so the uh, Sky Plus and the Edge Plus. And so, um, yeah, I got to go check out the new shoes. And then they did a really neat thing for a launch of a shoe. They got 80 of their elite athletes together and they set up this um you know world uh world athletics uh races or like they were approved races certified that's what i'm trying to say um 5k 10k and a half marathon so you know they just they said okay we're going to put the shoes to the test and see how many records and uh things we can get on these new shoes so it was really cool uh, you know fun event to be at and then I did get one day of a wonderful hike up into the mountains around Malaga. So they have wilds. We saw a couple of horses just like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we've got horses here in Australia. Um, what's more annoying is wh- where's my shoes? You've just spent the last minute, which is worth probably a pair of shoes, ASICs. Uh, checking the mail, dudes. Uh, not seeing any love my way. So. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to wait a bit for the Metaspeed uh, Sky Plus or Edge Plus. Um, there, um, uh, there's not a whole lot of them. Uh, we're not sure when they're gonna arrive in Canada, and so they have to. Um, World Athletics put in all of those new shoe rules, mm. right, to try and stop Nike from coming up with something the day before the Olympics. And so there's a time frame, like they have to be out X number of months before the world championships to be eligible. So um, from what I heard, they're like literally airlifting them to different countries to make sure that uh, they are on sale and, and uh, available in time for this thing. Yeah. So uh, it's an expensive endeavor when you're launching. Yeah, a new yeah, shoe you know like what? This. All, it's just, it's just smacks of excuses, buddy. Uh, no love for me. Um, hey, uh, if you're a size 11, you can have mine. You know what? Funny you mentioned that. Size 11 is exactly where I sit on the uh, shoe spectrum. So uh, you need to lift. Oh, shoot. You need to lift. <laughs> uh, hey, when was the last time you were a fan, right? When was the last time that you just were, you put down your triathlon, your little nerdy triathlon notebook that I know you carry around with you everywhere? When was the last time you just said, um, oh, wow, just going to watch this. Uh, in a triathlon yeah. event? I can't even remember. And I've never, I don't know that you've ever seen me with a notebook. I always have, uh, do notes on my uh, now iPad before that was on my tablet. So I don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine about. Kevin McKinnon? I just can't you comprehend little, this little iPad. You have a little iPad sitting there and you're taking notes and you're, oh, come on, Kevin. <laughs> come on, man. Um, so, you know what? Uh, sometimes, uh, this is one of the things when I uh, got into the whole photography mm-hmm. gig, 
Um, I just love that whole um, aspect of things. So I'm closer to a fan, I guess, when I'm out, uh, you know, on a motorcycle and checking out events and and all that kind of mm. stuff. Um, but yeah, like it's really hard for me to separate that. Uh, whenever I'm at a try, I feel like I'm working. Yeah, I, look, the reason I say that is because Ironman Australia was on Sunday, which was yesterday. We were recording this on Monday night, Australian time. And I was not at the race because it was in Port Macquarie and I don't like going to Sydney because New South Wales is terrible. Um, but uh, I did follow it on the line and – there were some really good things going on. So the Ironman tracker, can I say, was flawless. That thing, I had a really good buddy of mine racing and he, uh, at the ripe old age of 50, decided that he would do an Ironman because he'd heard us talk about it for years and he was, I think he was feeling a bit left out because we said he was basically rubbish because he couldn't do one. So we decided to do one, Kevin. And the tracker was amazing, really cool. Like we got updates and splits all day. I was wandering around. My watch was buzzing with, you know, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, which is awesome, really cool. And it got to the, you know, 30Ks in the run. I'm like, you know, I'd like to see the guy finish. I'd like to see that. And then do you think you could find a live feed of this anywhere? And then what they were offering was just scam sites. A friend of mine who's also wanting to watch him finish she basically logged on to a scam site and got rolled for some money. She put in a credit card to watch this film. Oh, yeah. no. So fuck me, Iron Man. Like, do some actual investigating into this to make sure that people aren't using your brand, for starters. So kudos on your tracker being really useful. But, uh, you know, whatever happened to fixed cameras and fixed feeds and stuff like that, whatever, like, surely that's an inexpensive thing to do. Yeah, you know, I have no idea where things are at, but yeah, that's what, what sort of a basic for us. We set that up um, back when yeah. I was there. Pretty much every event had a um, had a finish line camera, um, and yeah, you know that 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 seemed to be when we didn't have one. I certainly got lots but it's, of flack. It's fucking basic. Um, you stick so, a camera in um, the Kevin. You stick a camera in the finish arch you don't worry about any product you just stick a fixed camera and then all you're paying for is some bandwidth give me a spell it can't be that hard and if i've missed it i will hand on heart apologize to uh to iman but a number of folks in my little circle were searching for it and couldn't find anything yeah and and i do know that like it's amazing when you go on to uh the facebook posts and everything the comments all the like you see all of those spam things of watch live, watch live, yeah. watch live. And They're real. Um, yeah, and, and it's just sort of mind boggling to me. Obviously, Iron Man can't get rid of them because they would if they could. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, whack-a-mole, like you get rid of it and then it pops up again or something. Um, but yeah, but they it's, should uh, be noticed. Man, I, that's just, that sucks that somebody got duped. Yeah, and look, that. it wasn't for a lot of money and the bank stopped it anyway, got there and just said, you know, WTF. But in saying that, like, I mentioned have warnings on their Facebook saying, we're not doing a live feed, so no one's doing one, you know, so that people don't get fucked for money, even though it wasn't a large amount, but it's still, it's still a scam, right? So, yeah, it, it doesn't look good on the brand to not have taken every um, precaution they could or, and, you know, warn people as much yeah. as they could yeah. for it's sure. The, you know, it's the, um, it's just the precaution to say, Hey, we're not, there's, there is no live feed 
And if there's not, that's piss weak. It really is. It's just a fixed camera sitting at the finish line. It doesn't take a lot. And I'm not annoyed just because I didn't, and I got film of my buddy finishing by another friend up there. So that's okay. The point is, is it should just be available. It just should be available for everyone who can't travel or not traveling and things like that. And it doesn't have to be any production. Stick a fixed camera in the finish arch. Watch your pals come across the line. Should be day one stuff. And yeah, you know, you you can talk about cost cutting and stuff like that, but that's that's next level rubbish if that's gone on. So um, yeah, but the one thing, Kevin, that did come out of all this though is it. I can remember watching my first Ironman and I'd been doing triathlon for about a decade before I actually watched my first Ironman, if you can believe that. And then a week later, I'd handed notice in at my job and went and got another job that was more Ironman training friendly. So I guess what you're saying is, yeah, the, the more that they can do this, the more they're going to get people turning Yeah, but over. it's also my own, you know, if we want to talk a little bit about personal journey and, you know, useless information about my good self, well, that's what that's what triggered, though, the whole let's go and do an Ironman, like watching it. But that's when you're a fan, right? You're standing yeah. there going, fuck, look at these guys and girls go. They're awesome, you know, and you – you know, my buddy who's 50 and he, he had a good day, 11, I think 11 and change. So he's had a reasonably good day for a bloke his age who's never done uh, an Ironman before. And he just said he had so much. I need mean, to be disclaiming here. The dude's basically a Labrador. He's the nicest bloke on the planet. Um, But he just had a ball, he said. He said he just rolled around the course and tons of people. And like, you kind of forget. Because you and I have seen so much of it, I reckon, and we've seen so many races and all you worry about is the pros and you kind of give a cursory look to the age groupers and I don't know, you kind of like lose, I think, a bit of your perspective. And I got a good healthy dose of it, uh, especially talking to him today and listening to the excitement on his voice. It's pretty cool. To, I think yeah. it's pretty cool, you know, like a it's just a nice, I, I, I don't know, you kind of forget how impactful it is. And also too, Kevin, I think, I've always said oh, anyone can do an Ironman, but I, I, I might need to revise that because I think that's total horseshit. I don't think anybody can do an Ironman. I think just anyone can. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think um, I think that I think there's yeah most people physically <clears throat> can can quote, quote unquote do an Ironman, but yeah, it, it takes a heck of a lot of, de of dedication and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do, and I agree with you that um, you know the anything is possible sometimes gets taken a bit far. Um, the story I always tell is at Ironman Arizona one year. Um, I'm walking out of my hotel and there's this lady get, trying to get onto her bike and she can't clip in and she falls over and I run over to help her. And I'm like, Hey, you know, you know, you're here watching the race. And she said, no, I'm doing it. And, <laughs> and she said, I just, I, I've done all my training indoors. I've never, I've, wow. this is only like my second or third time riding outside. And I still remember walking down to the, uh, Ironman live, um, set and, seeing Paula Newby Fraser in there and, and just saying, I wonder if we've taken this a bit too far with this. Anything is possible because I'm not sure that you can do it without actually, you know, getting out on your bike and training. I have no idea if this woman finished or any of that stuff, but it just got me thinking, yeah, we can, 
Totally agree with you. We can take that too far. Yeah, at times. I think so. And I don't um, think anyone just. I mean, I used to always go, "Ah, oh, anyone can do it," because you know, like you kind of get a bit. I'm not saying I by any stretch I'd mastered it, but I was completely average. But you kind of think, you know, yeah, if you train for it, but then that's the thing. Like, so my buddy said to me, he would do this every weekend if he didn't have to put six months in to do it, you know, and that's the, the, the thing that it's lost on, on, on a lot of people. And I guess, you know, you, you see it in bits and pieces, but when you're, you know, covering the sport like we did and, and like you do still, it's more about like just going into that sort of pro story and, and even the, I'm even the age group, you know, who's come back from, you know, near death experiences and blah, blah, blah. And all that kind of stuff. You kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. But there's a real humility to it and a real humanity to it as well. And the fact that there is, you know, just the average Joe's uh, out there doing it. Um, and, and, you know, I think the best part about Ironman is when you're a competitor is that no one gives a rat's ass about your performance. There might be a hundred dudes and maybe, you know, 30 women who really, you know, really gunning for it. But if you're out on course, you're just out on course, you know, you're just out there and you're smiling and you're, you know, you're waving or you're just in, you know, getting through it. I think that's the really cool thing about Ironman racing. And I think that holds sway still given anecdotal evidence from the weekend that it's just people out there doing their thing. It's really cool. Yeah, and I guess one of the things that I would, I'll just sort of push back a tiny bit on that one is I would i would suggest that a lot of, um, there's a lot of pretty amazing personalities who end up doing this. Um, you know, so uh, I remember somebody giving me grief one time at the Ironman World Championship. Um, and he said, you know, hey, how do, how do I get, how do I get a profile on Ironman.com? Like, you know, it seems like all you do is focus on these people coming back from cancer or incredible accidents or else they're pros. Um, and so, the, you know, the next day I saw him at the swim and I said, hey, yeah, I got a minute. I got I got to show you this uh, this story that I just finished up on Ironman.com. And so I bring him in and <laughs> it's a story about a doctor who has a television show who coaches all four of his kids' soccer teams, um, who's won all of these uh, awards for raising money for charity. And it was this guy, right? And I said, and he kind of goes, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no, when you go to, especially when you go to the Ironman World Championship, there's uh, who knows how many there's going to finally be in St. George this weekend, but, you know, 25, 2,600 amazing stories. And, um, yeah, at the, a lot of the people who get drawn to doing this thing are like that, you know? So, you know, you're kind of going, Oh yeah. my buddy's an, an average Joe and super nice guy and all that stuff. But, you know, think about for six months, he's put so much on hold and done all of this training and still managed to work and, you know, family and do all of those things. It's pretty amazing what these people yeah, it do. Is, it is. And it, look, sometimes it gets lost. Um, it gets lost on you as, you know, someone, you know, in the media and things it does. And and it's nice every now and then, uh, like we talked about last podcast, it's nice that Barkley marathons and those sorts of things are out there. And it's nice that you can still, there's still pockets of Ironman and, and triathlon that haven't been completely uh, commercialized. And there's still a sense of adventure um, when the gun goes off 
every single Ironman. And that's, for me, that's still, that, that's a bit of a victory, right? That's something that you, you really hang on to uh, at the sport because so much of yeah. it is lost, you know, in social media and carry on and times and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I suppose we should mention too that uh, while we are talking about Ironman Australia is that um, good day out for uh, the Australians, given that there is basically only Australians racing. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't this the uh, Australian Ironman Championships oh, or the National yeah. Championships or something? Look, uh, Sarah Crowley, she's world-class. We know that, right? That's that's not even. And, and to be fair to her, Rebecca Clark also nailed an 857, so that's really well done. In the men's, though, you know, Josh Amberger and um, and Timmy Van Berkel are world-class athletes. Of that, there is no no doubt. Uh, and Tim Reid, of course, who came fifth, he's a former world champion. But, again, they were racing a lot of what I would categorise as Cat 2 pros um, and not really, um, not really the creme de la creme of the sport. And that's okay. You can only beat who's there. But, um, you know, it, it's it's nice that Australia is now back and hosting these sorts of things. And, yeah, I think it's a good one. But we know that one race that you're going to want to just get up and about on because you finally – Kate, before we get to this race in Anthony's Triathlons, I know you're just... – Well, actually, before that, how, how like, I didn't actually – this is awful, but I really wasn't paying too, too much attention. It was only a minute and seven seconds between uh, Sarah and Rebecca, like – how close was that? Yeah, race? I mean, obviously, uh, it got really got it really got um, close. But what uh, what unfolded there was um, the first ten k's they were together, Crowley and uh, and Clark, and then it was yeah. And okay. then, anyway, it was a bit of a seesaw, and then um, Crowley got out to about I reckon almost half a minute, and then um, she got up to almost like a minute and change and then that's where it kind of it was just you know one of those slow drags so you know something that she does really well crowd yeah. just digs in man that's a 301 marathon is decent rebecca clark also clocks 302 say what 311 and 312 i think yeah no 302 and 3 i've got 301 and 302 here i might be a little bit off here so um oh wow okay i'm looking at the pto standings and Three eleven and three twelve, oh, so very okay. strange. Well, we got yeah, we got our 0-1-0-2 here from the Australian results, but um, having followed the race, I'm not a hundred percent sure on time splits, but um, I think you might be right though. I think they might have need. I think they've blown out their times a little bit, so you might be right. So three eleven and three twelve. Let's call it that. Um, good result, you know, like it, really good for for. Well, great to see. Sarah, you know, Sarah sort of had a solid year last year, but it seemed like she, through COVID, had kind of, I, I don't know if it was not taking a step back, but just hadn't seemed to be quite the same Sarah Crowley that we're kind of used to seeing for a bit. And um, uh, yeah, so it was awesome to see her uh, hammering, um, you know, back up at the front of a race and I'm guessing she's not going to St. George this weekend, yeah. so we'll uh, see her in Kona in October. Rebecca, um, and she's finished. I should note too, Rebecca Clark's actually um, a New Zealander. So. Yes, I, I was wondering. I actually kind of made, I was realizing that too as I was joking yeah, about it being the yeah. Australian Championships. Once again, the Kiwis will have a chance or have the opportunity to give us heck for 
And I shouldn't be doing that being Canadian because we have that with the well, US. That's all right. The time, I mean, but so. New Zealand you can buy for about nine dollars, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> um, in the Aussies, obviously Tim Timmy Van, uh, Josh Amberger, and then Jack Moody, who's another Kiwi. Um, well done to you for another podium where you couldn't get a top result. Well done, Kiwis. A um, little bit of a dig there. Now, did you know th- what country? Little trivia for you. Question without notice: What country is who is the only country in the history of the Olympic of the Olympic Games to host an Olympics without winning a gold medal? Do you know which country that is, Kevin? Is there a sinking feeling in your stomach right now, buddy? Uh, I feel like it's going to be Canada in 1976. What a bunch of hacks you are! My goodness, couldn't win a gold medal in your silver medal. We got a silver medal on the high jump. Hey, come on, Greg Joy. Um, and we would have we would have won some swimming medals. Um, but uh, I'm not going to go into that one. East Germany is all. What I will say. What I will nope. say is that uh, in St. Anthony's, which seems like a heck of a lot of fun because it's only a short, short, short race of the Olympic distance, uh, Matt Sharp from Canada it won by, well, it looked about half a second. They called it a full second, but let's not quibble. And Paula Finlay, who is a extremely uh, talented and nice individual, she also got it done. Uh, for the Canadians and double win for you lot. So congratulations there. Yes. And I need to uh, hurry up and get that story posted up on the site. So thank you for the uh, reminder on that one, but yeah, great to see. So Matt Sharp uh, went to the Olympics last year, Paula Finley uh, Olympics in 2012. So no strangers to that distance, but um, for Matt, this is his first year of, moving up in distance and also to do the non-drafting thing. So, um, you know, the guy's awesome. And he had, he just had a nightmare time uh, just getting to the Olympics. He had, you know, all kinds of issues with, with triathlon Canada. And uh, so it's really rewarding to see him doing well for sure. And yeah, you know, bodes well for Paula. Um, she's sort of getting things back on track. I tell you when she is on, she is frighteningly talented so uh good to see her back she's amazing um okay so the big race obviously everyone's pointing to now will be the saint george the ironman saint george world championship that is this week you are going to be there so we'll be able to get post race all the uh all the good uh gossip and all the good things that you have done and heard over the course of your week in saint george uh are we, we're going to preview it, but uh, just it feels like it's going to be for the men anyway. You know, Fredino's not there, Patrick Langer's not there, uh, Tim O'Donnell's not around, Javier Gomez not around, Joe Skipper's not there. Uh, wow, what a what a bit of a letdown to be honest. Um, it seems like, yeah, but you know what? Hey, like totally, totally hear you there. But there's always a World Championships where. Um, uh, where you've got people missing. Um, but yeah, this one, it just, and then, you know, the, the rumor mill has it that Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden have been sick uh, in the last few weeks of their, their preparation. Um, so yeah, it, it's certainly setting up as a, as a bit of a deflating 
uh, week going in on the men's front. But, you know, it's a world championship, and all of this actually bodes super well for Lionel Sanders, I oh, tell you. Like, this is, yeah. uh, I, you know, look. What's that? Well, he can't no, win? It doesn't matter how sick Eden and that have been. He's not going to win. It. This is, it's a lay down. I don't care if Blumenfeld comes in with an arm and a leg ripped off and has to go the whole time on his side. Like the Norwegians will win, right? At some, one of them, Eden or him will win. I don't care how sick they've been. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. They're going to win and they're going to win big. And there is little anyone can do about it except go, okay, where is my position going to be in the podium? Because one and two is probably going to be taken. One's gone, right? One is gone. That's it. Uh, Sanders obviously strikes me as the guy who can, you know, be very close. But even so with Lionel, I mean, he, he just spends so much time in the like second. He's just, I don't know. He's when he's going well, he's flat out, you know, but who knows where he is and what Sanders is going to show up and what happens in the water. And uh, it's a big one. Um, I mean, there's a few dark horses as well. We should mention probably Keenler, uh, Ben Hoffman. There's that Brown Lee guy running. Um, Sam Long. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I see. I'm not quite as ready to hand it over to the um, uh, to the oh. Norwegians as you are. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not quite as ready to hand it over to the to Gustav and uh, Christian. Uh, you know, eh, this is a whole different ball game. Um, but yeah, and and I think without Jan in there. You don't have somebody, a super fast swimmer, to drive the pace up at the front of the pack. So that really opens the door for Sam Long, um, Lionel, and Sebastian to get themselves up into the mix. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a super interesting race. And yeah, Ben Hoffman. Whew, if he's bound, if he can bounce back quickly enough from uh, from that you know great race he had in yeah. Texas, phew, that'll be you know just adds to that. Yeah, mix. but I don't. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy because you know I don't. I love to make an a, an assumption, but if, there there is, there just it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. I'd love to be that guy to say there's going to be an upset because I love tipping an upset. As you know, uh, it's not going to happen though. It's just not yes. Um, I just think, yeah, and, and what's so funny is normally I'm that person kind of going, oh yeah, I know this is exactly <laughs> the people, but I just I I cannot without Jan in there, it just changes the dynamics of the front end of the race so much, mm -hmm. right? Because with Jan in there, you've got somebody who's going to swim super fast, and he just sets up Alistair Brownlee, um, Christian uh, Gustav tends to be a bit back of the swim. Um, but, you know, he just sets up Christian and uh, Alistair Brownlee. And um, I'm trying to think who else might be up, would normally have been up uh, close to the front of that swim. And anyway, those guys are all gone now. So you don't have that driver. So, um, you know, and Brownlee, uh, he, it, it would be really helpful for him not to be driving off the front uh, in this race, for him to be able to do what Gustav did in Florida last year and just sit 
um, sit behind, you know, some people all the way through and then, you know, uses amazing running stuff. But um, Alistair too, uh, just huge question mark there um, for the first, what was it? 16 or 17 K of the run in, um, in uh, Oceanside. I was just sitting there going, Oh man, this is Alistair is setting himself up perfectly for St. George. And then when it all fell apart, it fell apart in a hurry. So um, he just becomes a huge question mark too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think this men's race is a lot more wide open than you do. Um, but that said, wouldn't be surprised if Christian and Gustav just disappear on everyone too. So I don't think you got me. I don't think they need, I don't think they need um, uh, Fredino. I just don't think they need Fredino to do what they're going to do. Um, I don't, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that's, there's, there's merit in that. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but oh, I just think that um, there is, um, I think they, they don't need him. I just don't think they need him to be um, anywhere near that. So it's just one, for mine, it's, they're just going to run off with it, disappear and wave goodbye. That's what's going to happen. They're never going to be seen once they start. So <laughs> bye-bye. Close the door. <laughs> now, women's race. Okay, there you go. With, yeah, I tell you, the, the one thing that I do know is this race is going to be so much fun to, uh, to go and yeah. cover um, as long as exactly what you're saying doesn't happen. Like if Christian and Gustav just disappear and, you know, end up 10 minutes clear, then uh, – but I just – I'm not sure that's going to happen. But, yeah, be tons of fun. And then the well, women's just, race, if just, the men's race is you know, wide open. I just open. say before that happens, right, what I reckon is what they're going to do at this event is going to put the fear of God into everyone else for later in the year. That's what I reckon. I know it's a different event. I know it's different climate. I know it's different course. I understand all that. But I think that these are incredibly adaptive athletes who can alter their training to make sure that they get themselves right for whatever condition. That's what I think. I think in a week's time, we're going to be like, oh my God, they destroyed the field and they were amazing. That's what we're going to be doing. That's how you're going to be sounding, not me. Well, hey, you know, they certainly have dialed in. Well, heck, the New York Times did an article on them last year in terms of the science they're pulling into it. Um, and, you know, you were, or, you know, I was talking about that shoe. Um, Christian Blumenfeld was involved in the testing of the ASICS Metaspeed shoe. Um, they, there is no stone left unturned with these guys on the science end of things, for sure. And so... Um, yeah, in terms of adapting, they, you know, they've got uh, uh, DeBoer basically designed a wetsuit for them for this race. Um, you know, they've got the brand new, or Christian will be no doubt in the brand new ASICS shoes. Um, word is he's rolling in on a new giant bike as well. Um, so pulling out all the stops on the science mm -hmm. stuff. And um yeah, and you know, Tokyo, known to be nutty, hot, and humid. Guess what? That's exactly the way Kona is. So, um, yeah, you can't bet against the guy in October either. Well, no, and you've once again plugged ASICs on this podcast, and I've just picked the mailbox. <laughs> There's nothing there. So, you know, there's two that you've done. Maybe we want to see what's going on. Give me a bit of a 
chop out here. Okay, women's event, as you started to say before I just ran all over you, um, it's going to be nutty close, as you say, because who would know? But I will tell you this, Daniela Reef does not win this race, just so you know. Don't pencil her in. Don't even pen her in. She might crack a podium. She doesn't win. Simple as that. Boom. Yeah. So I'm not nearly as willing to um, go all out on that one. Um, I don't think you ever um, you count. I don't think you ever count her out. Uh, but yeah, she is not. She's not rolling in the same way that she did for for so long, and people aren't afraid of her. But the the thing is that um, Laura Phillip is likely out. I don't think she's totally confirmed that yet. But um, uh, and Laura Phillip, she was she shouldn't have been rolling in as a an underdog because the way she raced, um, you know, fourth in her debut in Kona. Um, she's won a uh, pretty much every uh, full distance race she's jumped into, or Ironman race she's jumped into, and then the way she raced, like she was in, I think you know, just a classic example of um, that hundred percent fit, uh, just being a bit too much and uh, just stepping over the edge and and just being susceptible to getting sick, and that's that you know fine line that that all these guys are always on uh, when you're gearing up for for big worlds yeah. like this. So um, that that bodes that just opens the door that much more for um, Daniela in my mind. So yeah, it, it I'm certainly not ready to count her out. But uh, the woman who you know the defending champ uh, Annie Haug, I think will be um, be kind of the woman to beat as opposed to Daniela. So in years past, it would have been, oh, yeah, like every, you know, we, everyone needs to hope Daniela has a bad race and they, they might be able to get her. Um, I think Daniela can have a good race and still not beat um, Annie Haug if, uh, if Annie's on, on form. Yeah, and are there any women so. left? Like I, I've, looking at start lists and having a look around and watching what, I mean, I know we've suffered a few big hitters, obviously, with the Germans not being there, the big hitting Germans, Langer and, and Fredino, but man, the women's list has been decimated, um, you know, and that's, I mean, it plays into the hands, I think, of Haug, who I think will win. I think Anne Haug wins by just, she, she's going to win it. I think Reef's got it anymore. I think her split with uh, old mate, um, her coach, has not been a good one. Um, he managed to get that much out of her. Um and, you know, may, I don't know, maybe she's cooked. Who would know? Um, you don't want to write her off because of the career she's had. She's been consistently the best um, for years. But at some point, the rain's got to end. And as you said, no one's – there's not an aura about her anymore, I wouldn't have thought. I would have thought most of the women in that field think that, you know, she's gettable. I mean, the Oceanside early this month, what, she was disqualified, um, you know, and then – yeah. But then disqualified after what was it, tenth yeah, or eleventh uh, place finish? Yeah, she just wasn't the same no, athlete. I agree. Heather Jackson knows one. No, not even Heather Jackson's one who is intriguing because she's been knocking on the door for so long, been the top five, you know, in in many editions of the world championship, 
Um, and I don't know whether, again, as you said, the climate, does that factor that someone in who has spent, you know, uh, a lot of time in, you know, in uh, that sort of, those sorts of conditions and maybe it's variable. So it should, I don't know, maybe it's somewhere that she's coming from in a good place. Um, spoke to her early in the year and again, just super chill, very relaxed about how she goes about it. Um, and maybe then, yeah, it's um, the fact that she's not having to chase as hard after the swim. Maybe she swims a bit better and it has been suggested through various pundits that, you know, the wetsuits are certainly going to help uh, the weaker swimmers, of which she would not be. Oh, abs- absolutely. This is so, um, you know, you were quick to, you know, throw out uh, Lionel Sanders. Um, to me, if if I'm Lionel Sanders and I'm Heather Jackson, I'm all in for yeah. this race. This is the best chance to get that world title for both of those people. Um, now, Heather needs Annie to not be on form and Daniela to sort of be the same Daniela who rolled into Oceanside yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, like this is this is a great chance for her. She trains down in Tucson. This is going to be dry. It's going to be dry. And I don't even know if it'll be super, super hot. Um, but it's going to be about as far from the humid conditions that people are used to in Kona. It'll be hot, but it's not going to be that sort of humidity uh, that that can just fell so many people. So, yeah, like whew, wide open for the for the likes of Heather Jackson. And, you know, who, you know, Kat, uh, Kat Matthews, Katrina Matthews, you know, she uh, I, I won't say spanked, but. She at no point at Ironman 70.3 Lanzarote did Kat Matthews look like she was in any sort of trouble with Annie Haug running behind her. And I, I, you know, I can't remember if she won by two or four minutes, but basically she uh, she lost like 10 or 15 seconds to to Haug on the run. Who, you know, this is the, arguably one of the best runners in the sport. Um, and Kat Matthews dominated on the bike and then just stayed pretty much the same distance ahead on the run. And, um, you know, Maka, there's, you know, Maka knows how to, how to pick, pick his horses. I don't mean, I'm not sure if I should be using that analogy, but, um, you know, knows how to pick the athletes. And he picked Cat Matthews to replace Lucy Charles Barkley, um, in the, uh, sub eight project. So he is, Feeling like me that Cat Matthews is definitely uh, somebody to uh, keep an eye yeah, on. Yeah, but here. you and Macker don't know what you're talking about. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, who is he, Chris McCormack? Um, no, I, look, yeah, no, no doubt she's in the conversation. But I also say to you that you know the the opportunity for Lionel Sanders is smaller than it is for, say, a Heather Jackson. Um, there is not two, not just one. There's not two dudes, uh, there are not two women in in this field who are, you know, have the potential to rip the head off this thing, um, like there is in the men's. So I think Lionel's up against it. As much as I love the story and I like how he goes about it, and I like he's racing 419 times a year, I do like that. 
I, I just I, I just think it's a mountain too big. And it's for once, I'm going to go with the odds and not try and pick an outlier, which I love to do. But I'm going to say that this one is, um, uh, I think Haug wins this um, and, you know, picks up the German slack that has been left by Fredino and Langer for not being there. I think she, she makes it uh, another world title. But you're 100% right. If ever the heat and humidity drove you nuts, this was the race to get involved in and the world championship to do because uh, it doesn't show any signs of going back there and doesn't show any signs of rotation um, at the moment. I mean, we could be proven wrong on this one, but it is all points to uh, back to Kona and back to the heat and the humidity and, and you know, uh, walking up and down Elite, you drive 917 times in a week uh, as you're prone to do when you go up there. Um uh-huh. That's where I think it's headed, but you know, I think the split if coaching with Reef and that, I it just seems like it's it's maybe on the other side for her, and she'll probably smack everyone and make me look ridiculous. But I'm not 100 percent sure that's going to happen. Yeah, hey, you know, it, it would be it would actually be a pretty cool story um, for for Daniela Reef to you know almost have a like a comeback. Um, not that she's actually sort of disappeared, but you know, she's just not, not in that same kind of realm as she was in uh, 2018 when she was just so dominant. Um, so yeah, it, it would be really exciting for her, but you know, based on where everything's at now, you know, if you follow her on Instagram, she's been, she's been just training up a storm at altitude. I think it's maybe in flat or was in Flagstaff or whatever. And, um, kind of getting it done but you know it just it just seems so different uh from those days when you know she was working with the Sutto group and um you know I, I just feel like she's she hasn't quite found a formula that worked as well as it did with Sutton so yeah I look you know I don't really want to I haven't got that great of an opinion of Sutton so I really want to bring him into a conversation but uh for some way or another, he he managed to get the best out of uh, Reef, um, and that partnership has disintegrated. So it's it it this, watching her win without him would be would be fun for someone like me. Absolutely, and yeah, oh, we could do a whole thing on the on the controversy controversy around Brett oh, and the PTO you know, just... and all, it just it you know. Not ideal. Yeah. Doesn't belong. So uh, let's move on. No more oxygen to that man uh, on this one. But um, hey, what, one thing you did mention, which I think we've got to bring up, is that sub seven and sub eight. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm, it doesn't sit. <laughs> I'm trying to like it. I'm trying my hardest to like it. Um, I just, I just have a really hard time with the bike. That's what I'm really struggling with. I think. Huh. Yeah. You know, I, I think once again, you just need to take a step back and take Very a deep nice. breath and, and understand. Um, so yeah, like, what did you think of Nike's sub two project when they did that over in Italy on the, on the racetrack? And, you know, I still remember that just big echelon of, uh, of people <laughs> basically blocking the wind for three dudes going after sub two. Um, and, and, yeah, it was it was a show. It was just it was just a it wasn't a race. I, I I didn't ever imagine that as a race. Now, what I'm finding interesting is how 
they're trying to set it up as certainly um, uh, on the men's side as this duel between Alistair Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld, you know, Norway versus the UK and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and I just, I, I don't see that as being nearly as much of a factor as like, yeah, can, can somebody get under that, uh, under that seven hours? Yeah. I, I, um, look, I didn't love the project and, that, that running thing, the Nike stuff. I didn't love that either. I just, two things that, that, that getting to me is that it's just, I know there's draft, there's drafting in marathon running, right? I mean, it might be a small group of, you know, seven or eight guys or women in a, you know, in a race who are off the front and it kind of skinnies out a bit. I understand it's not, you know, a phalanx of people that I accept. I can't stand manufactured rivalries. That's my, one of my pet hates with people who use metal detectors on beaches. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? I got an email after that, or a text message, and 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 a pretty well known uh, triathlete did say that I think his mother in law or something was the same as me. Sees them and thinks they're the scum of the earth. So hey, hats off. I've got kindred spirits on this podcast. Um, I I can't stand manufactured rivalry. It just you know we grew up in the era in the era of real rivalry. You know the traditional ones. And I know there are people who aren't going to like other people. And you saw a little bit in the Collins Cup, but it was all it just, I just, you can't make this shit up. You can't try and make something against something who doesn't want that to be a thing, you know, like Norway versus Great Britain or, you know, you, you can't set that up. It doesn't work. You look contrived, you know, bad boy yeah. of the sport and all that. You've, Fuck, you're a bad boy if, if you're doing the wrong things, right? You, if you're a smart ass or if you're whatever you are, then that's who you are and you play to that strength. You know, like, so guys like, I mean, I'm going back a few years here, but guys like Callum Millwood and stuff who are just smart asses and emerging races and, you know, fun to watch and all that, their personalities were big and they were, like, those sorts of guys were fun. Obviously, we had the Macker and Stadler and then going back, we had, the you know, all the big guys. It works. You know, it works when it's real. You know, when there's Macca sitting there telling all the athletes around him that they're shit and he was going to smash them in Ironman and he was going to do this and that and he was, you know, telling it, that stuff is fun because it's authentic and he didn't change his approach ever. But I don't know, Kevin, are we kind of through this yeah. manufactured? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree <clears throat> more in terms of the manufacturing. You just, you just don't feel like there's anything – <clears throat> any sort of animosity between Alistair Brownlee and, and Christian, you know, and Christian's such a, he's such a nice guy to talk to. I can't imagine him sort of wanting to go after anyone. He's competitive, uh, wants to win, no two ways around that. But yeah, it just doesn't seem like his style in any way, shape or form. But I like, hey, I was at that press conference. I'm sure you were too. Um, 2004 when... Uh, uh, was it 2004 or 2000? Um, yeah, 2004 when Norman wins, yes. uh, you know, Ironman and, you know, uh, Maka just says, yeah, I'm the best triathlete in the world. I just didn't win today um, at the press conference. And you could, like the feeling in that room was unbelievable. Yeah. Like all of us just couldn't believe that he said that. Couldn't believe that he would say something like that with the, you know, the world champion right there next to him. Um, but it, you know, it sure worked. It, uh, 
it, it started that thing that, you know, him and between him and uh, Ferris and I guess, sorry, maybe it was 2006 when he said all of that stuff, but you know, he Ferris and, uh, and Norman um, for the next few years, that, that animosity, it sure fueled a lot of stuff. And that was for yeah, real. You can't make that shit up. Um, and nor so, should you have to, it should just no. come or, you know, organically is like, do you know what, dude, I'm not a massive fan of you. And if I can chip you at a press conference, I'm going to give it a run. And again, it's not through trying to be controversial. It's just, you know, like pre-race press conferences are the biggest waste of time ever. They're just a complete waste of time. The pros hate it. Journos hate it. Everyone hates it. But they've got to do it because it's part of the, the show. But it's a complete waste of time. Other than if you get a random soundbite from an honest athlete who basically says, do you know what? Really looking forward to smacking those Norwegians tomorrow and does something that you think, oh, cool. Versus... Oh, I've trained really hard. It's been a wonderful build-up. It's credit to myself, my team, blah, 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 blah. And the pros roll it out and die a little inside as they do it. You know, the greatest answer to a press conference I ever saw was in Kona one year with Terenzo Bazone, who pretty much, by the time they'd worked down the line talking about something or other, he's just like, oh, fuck it, I don't care. You know, he couldn't care less. He was just like, whatever, you've all had a go. Whatever I say is irrelevant. And I'm like, that's the dude I like because he's just, not just going to sit there and, and placate everyone. He's just like not interested. You know, seven pros have said their piece. They're working down the line. Boring. And I agreed. Complete boring. You know, yeah. um, but the, you know, the post one's always the fun one, as you said, and you're always going to get them. They're sweaty, emotional, especially too, if they've, you know, had a big win, they're always emotional. So you get them in that first, you know, 30 minutes after a win or a loss or a draw or a close one. I can remember Laura Bennett one year getting DQ'd and I've still got the photo floating around of an official telling her she'd been penalised. And the look in her face was amazing. She wanted to throttle the dude. And, you know, that's in the heat of the moment. You're going to get some good stuff. Um, you're not going to get it when it's contrived and it's been, hey, why don't we say this? That's, you know, boardrooms don't make rivalries. They, they, they're not in sport. You know, they can try to. But uh, you've got it all to do, my friend, to jump on a plane and get down there and uh, start digging up some stuff in St. George. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be fun. I don't get there <clears throat> until Thursday. Roll into St. George just in time for that that pre race press conference. But um, yeah, it'll be it'll be really fun to uh, to see how things develop over um, over the race day on Saturday. It's, it's just. Um, I normally, I have a really good feeling for being able to predict exactly what's going to happen. And I just can't do that for this race. So, uh, that's kind of exciting now for I me. I will give you, and the listeners will chip in a little bit. We'll do a GoFundMe and we'll give you seven bucks Australian, which is about 400 Canadian dollars. If at the pre-race press conference, <laughs> you ask one of the pros, does anyone give a shit about what's going on right now? Pre-race. <laughs> Seven dollars, seven. Yeah, seven Australian, buddy. Seven Australian dollars for you. <laughs> oh, not gonna happen. But uh, yeah, nice try. No doubt you'll be thinking about us though when you're sitting in that press conference, bored out of your mind because they're all giving you the same story. <laughs> well, mate, uh, absolutely. We've hit, uh, we've hit our time limit here. Um, we really appreciate you being here, my man. Uh, of course, you're writing for Triathlon Magazine in Canada the most greatest of all of the triathlon magazines. And of course, uh, Mac attack dad at Twitter. You can find Kevin. He will be doing fine things. Uh, ask him a question on Twitter. He loves to interact um, or Facebook. He loves the Facebooks. Um, I'm found at Phil Rockner at Twitter. If you want to yell at me, you're more than welcome to do plenty of people do. 
Uh, Kevin, we are going to reconvene this conversation post St. George. We will have two new world champions, inverted commas. Uh, we'll go from there, my friend. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Great chatting as always. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.